prompted. Enter your password. Password incorrect. Forgot your password. Please answer the security questions. What was your mother's maiden name? What was the name of your first pet? In what city were you born? How do you gain access to God? Too many failed login attempts. Your account has been blocked. Contact your system administrator. Connection lost. Well, you made it. Happy Sunday to you. You know, if I preach long enough, the sun's out, we'll have no snow left in the parking lot by the time we're done. Can you believe that? How many inches? And now it's almost all gone. Anyway, it's a, there's a little bit left here. I just got, just got a little bit. Does anybody, anybody think they can catch us? You got it? Jim, you got it? All right, there you go. Yeah. Well, I'll take credit for that as a bad throw. Uh, I like the snow. You know, a lot of you know I grew up in Minnesota, and um, I know a lot of you don't like it, but it brings back a lot of fond memories for me. Uh, not every morning was fond, uh, you know, trudging through the, uh, through the snow, delivering papers and that kind of thing, but uh, there's a lot of fond memories with it and romping and playing in it and so forth, uh, uphill in the snow, both ways to school. Barefoot wasn't fun, but... But don't you think, uh, even if you don't like the snow and what it does uh, to you, you've got to admit there's something really beautiful about it, the way it blankets everything and covers like a white, pure linen garment over all of that brown, crusty mud patch, you know, brown grass that we get otherwise. It's a beautiful, snow can make everything beautiful again. And it kind of, to me, has always symbolized, probably to you too, it has symbolized a kind of fresh start that is possible with God. I love the snow for that, that idea of God, whatever deadness there might be in you and me, whatever blemish there might be, because of our life, our past, um, there is the possibility of God's grace doing a new thing and blanketing us in white pure love and grace again. And that's, that's really uh, a lot of what this new series we're going to begin. Next week we begin this new series and it, that's a lot of what it's going to be about is just allowing ourselves to be in a position, I hope you are, to have a fresh start with God. It's hard to get a fresh start because we sometimes we try and we fail or, or we get into ruts and we don't believe after a while that there is such a thing. But just as surely as that snow blanketed and covered and made everything pristine and pure, God has a fresh start for you and me in mind. And uh, I hope that you'll be ready for that, especially as we dive in next weekend. We want to set the table for it this weekend and start uh, letting God prime the pump. Are you ready to do some priming of your spiritual pump today? Um, on a snowy day like today, uh, it's a good time for me to tell you about um, a man named Douglas Mawson. 
Mawson. Here's a picture of the old guy from 1911. David Timms relays that this man, he was a a 29-year-old Australian geologist um, who was an explorer. 1911, he led a 25-man scientific expedition to the very frozen and forbidding tundra of Antarctica. They established this base camp, and uh, then they sent out these little small parties on these little expeditions, and eventually, after this brutal um, winter at base camp, Mawson decides it's time for him to go deeper and to explore the interior of the land, Antarctica. So he takes with him two companions. Their names are Ninus. He's a a dog handler. And then a world champion skier named Xavier. And these three guys planned to travel 1,200 miles now, 1911, in Antarctica, across this frozen, uncharted territory. Well, conditions turned out to be much worse than they expected. Um, After about six weeks, uh, the men and their dogs had only gone 300 miles. Okay, you do the math, that's about seven miles a day. So they, decide, they knew they needed to turn back. And so they try to do that. But then all of a sudden, as soon as they turn back that same day, Ninnis, the dog handler, disappears with his dog sled team down a crevasse. He's gone. Now there are two, Mawson and Xavier. Uh, and just a week's supply of food left for these guys, okay? No dog food left for the remaining six dogs and a five-week journey ahead of them once they get back uh, to civilization. So it's getting interesting. Off they go. They had to start shooting the weakest of the dogs one at a time for food when they got hungry. Eventually, these guys noticed that their own skin is like peeling off in long strips and layers, not realizing that it's the dog's livers, which are so overloaded with vitamin A that's causing that. It's poisoning them with toxic amounts of vitamin A. Three weeks of that, and still a long ways from base camp, Xavier dies. The skier guy is gone. So Mawson now is all by himself, and he pushes on. He makes it to this place called Aladdin's Cave, which is an outpost just about five and a half miles from the base camp. But the winds just kick up unbelievably, and they strand him there for a whole week. And then finally, when the weather breaks, he packs up, and he makes his way down this very steep embankment down to base camp, but he gets there too late. The ship that had been sent to pick him up, and his whole expedition had just sailed away six hours earlier. So amazingly, six guys um, had waited for Dawson just in case he did survive and return, and they all holed up there in the camp uh, with a little bit of provisions and supplies, eking it out through the winter until another ship came back for them ten months later. Kind of makes you just marvel, doesn't it? What does that do to you when you hear an adventure like that? It makes you kind of just, you know, when you hear that extreme survival, uh, hunger, uh, conditions like that. I think a lot of us, maybe even most of us, might say, I don't want to go there, frankly. On a day like today, I didn't want to come here, <laughs> you know. I'd rather be at home under my blankie with my hot chocolate and, and you know, and, and watching my Netflix or whatever. When it comes to adventure, uh, you know, most of us don't want to eat husky guts with frostbite fingers, okay? I get that. But there's another sense. There's another sense in which I think every single one of us does hunger and long to have a spiritual adventure like that. Uh, A journey that kind of takes us someplace, that gives us a story to tell. 
that's something out of the ordinary, that's something more than just sort of ho-hum going through the motions of everyday life spirituality, something that has a little challenge to it, maybe because that's the only way you'll get to greater rewards, something beyond the ordinary. I think every one of us longs for that. I think you do. I know I do. I don't always want to get my mucklucks on and get out in it, but I long for it. I think you do too. This Mawson guy, you know, he, he wasn't going to be tied down with a desk job in a mundane life. And we feel that way about our spiritual lives. Do you ever feel kind of ready to go deeper into the interior of your spiritual life? You ever feel like, you know what, I just need to go closer to God. There's more there that I'm not yet experiencing. See, the life that Jesus calls you to and me, I think we've made it out to be all wrong. It's anything but dull and tedious. There's a, you, but you have friends who have no earthly idea why you would get out of bed and come here today. Because to them it just makes absolutely no sense. Maybe it makes no sense to you. But I think, if we're honest, we all know there's something more. There's something deeper, something more vast beyond our daily routines and the sort of shallow, mediocre way that we can sometimes find ourselves in a relationship with God. But if we start with an adventure with God, there's going to be some challenges along the way, some hard things. There may be some things that will stop us in our tracks, maybe some things that will slow us down, some high winds, some things that will distract us, maybe even some things that will poison us a bit along the way. But the journey to know the heart of God can be every bit as exciting as an adventure to Antarctica and every bit as stretching. So what about you? Are you ready for that? Do you want that? Because God won't do this, can't do this against your will. He can't. Just like any other friendship. You can't be super close friends if one party just says, nah. You ready for something deeper, a closer walk? or connection to God. That's what this series that we're setting up today is going to be about. We want to go there. We want to go on an adventure. We want to go deep. We want to connect with God in a fresh way, regardless of what's been in the past. Now, we're calling it uh, Passwords. Passwords. Everybody say Passwords. You know what passwords are, right? It's something you, 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 you gain access to something. We want to talk about how do I gain access to God? How do I go deeper? Passwords are everywhere. Uh, you, can't, you cannot do anything today without a password. Isn't that right? Let's, uh, uh, what, what are some things in your life? Let's call it. We're a small enough crowd today. Uh, call out some stuff that you need a password to gain access to. Just go ahead and call them out. What? Facebook. Facebook yeah, I knew you'd say that. What? Huh? Instagrams. What else? Bank accounts. Computers, cash registers. Twitter, your phone, Yahoo, my, what'd you say? Well, welcome to 1983, MySpace, who said that? Whatever. Yeah, you take a little hammer and you chisel your password in on that thing. Good grief, MySpace. So we got, we got passwords everywhere, don't we? I mean, you cannot get, you can, I mean, it's like, I feel like you have to ha have it for everything. Pretty soon you have need for your washing machine, your microwave, you know, get out of bed. It's like, how do I get the covers off? You know, you got to have a password for everything. 
So, so, so what's the password for connecting with God? What, what, what's, the, what's the thing? Okay, here's where you stop talking back. <laughs> how do we gain access to God? How do we, how do we go deeper? That's a rhetorical question. Um, have, you ever, have you ever like really wanted to get into something but you didn't know the password. Um, like uh, I was trying to buy some tickets at, through this account. I can't remember if it was Fandango or whatever it was, but it wouldn't take my password. I kept entering it over and over and over again. You ever do that? It's like, you know, Maryland guy 44, you know, or whatever. You're the same thing that we all have the kind of similar passwords, I think. But it, the screen just kept coming back to me, access denied, password invalid. And I'm thinking, I really want to get in here. I really need to get in here. I was locked out, access denied. I think some people feel that way spiritually sometimes. Like so, the stuff we were told, the stuff we were taught, we just keep punching it in and it's like access denied. We, we, we know it's not taking us anywhere. We need something new. We need a fresh blanket. Sometimes the spiritual life that a lot of us lead is anything but an adventure. It's more like getting stuck in the parking lot. You ever been there spiritually? Just sort of stuck in the parking lot watching everybody else zoom down the road, going someplace exciting? We need to get in, we want to get in, but we don't know how sometimes. Or maybe sometimes you've kind of gone dormant with God. You know how the screen goes dormant? If it's a session timed out, it means you haven't done anything in a while. Maybe that's you spiritually. Maybe your session is timed out spiritually with God. It's time for you to draw near to God again. Or maybe you just feel tired. What's the password to get connected with God and stay there, I wonder? You know, a disciple, you could define this way. A disciple is anyone who actually follows Jesus. Not just someone who believes in Jesus, but someone who follows, who actually follows with your life. You do stuff and you imitate him. You try to think and feel and live and love like Jesus. And the one thing you notice when you follow Jesus around through the scriptures and in everyday life is you notice he was always praying. He, was, he prayed a lot. Prayer is the way he stayed connected in this amazing relationship with his father. So if you are a follower of Jesus, you want to be a Christian, a disciple, insert word there, they all mean the same thing. You're a believer, a disciple, or a follower. You want to do that? Then we've got to figure out this prayer thing. Prayer. Because according to Jesus, prayer is one of the vital passwords to going deeper, to going on the adventure with God. I think we tend to make prayer more awkward and difficult and uh, undesirable than we need to make it. We make it mysterious, we make it colder, we make it just dumber than it needs to be. Do you know, here's how I think of prayer. Prayer, is, and I've said this before, but I think it's so true. Prayer is simply when the real you and the real God have a real conversation. That's all it is. The real you, though, not some false pretentious you, and the real God, not some God of your making or mine, the real you and the real God have not just a phony, fake exchange that sounds like religious platitudes, but a real conversation. And you got prayer. Prayer is just talking to God. On the one hand, it's so simple. A child can do it. But on another hand, you're talking about a wild adventure that's a life-changing expedition with God. That's what prayer can be. It's the real you and the real God having a real conversation. And Jesus did that all the time, every day, like, like constantly. 
And you can too. That conversation, friends, is what we're made for. That's what we're made for. It's how we're meant to live. So if you've ever wondered, man, what do I do when I pray? How do I pray? What do I say? Am I doing it wrong? Can I be connected deeply to the Father like Jesus was, who was always talking to him? Can, can I do that? We're, well, hang on. Hang on, because we're, we're, we're chaining up the dogs, and we're going to go on an adventure. We're, we're going to discover some things. Everyone knew about this super close relationship that Jesus had with the Father and the way he prayed. And one of the, some of his friends came to him one day and said, Jesus, tell us the password. We want access like you got access to the Father. We want that. We want that relationship. We want that adventure. And, and so they said in Luke chapter 11, they said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to do like you. We see your relationship with the Father is so deep you got this Antarctic adventure going on all the time, spiritually speaking. You really know Him. You, you love the Father. You live with the Father. You're synced up with the Father. He leads you. He guides you. He's close to you. He, he's near you. He's, you. You talk to Him. He's filling you. Jesus, teach us that. We want the password. Can you give us access where you get to go? And Jesus says, yep. Aren't you glad he said yes? It's not one of those times he says, it is not for you to know the access to the Father. No, he says, absolutely. Glad you asked. And that's when he shares this thing that we call the Lord's Prayer. 72 short words, two places in the New Testament. Luke chapter 11, Matthew chapter 6. Matthew 6 is the more familiar one. We'll be working out of that one. But it's like a model. It's not something to memorize and sort of recite only. It's a model. It's a template. It's a sort of way to do it. But it's about so much more than how to pray. It holds passwords that unlock a whole life with God, a relationship with God, an adventure with God, or reveals a way of thinking and living that will radically change us. Because in the end, prayer isn't about changing God, it's about being changed. So beginning next week, we're going to dive deeply into that Lord's Prayer. And over the next few weeks, we're going to do that together, and I hope you're up for an adventure, because this thing's more than a model prayer. It's a whole new way of living and thinking and if we take it seriously and kind of take these words that some of us have skimmed over for years and let them just surprise us, it's going to rock our world. Our church is focusing on prayer this year. Maybe you've noticed. We're praying a lot. We're praying a lot more. And by that we mean we're not trying to study it. We're not going to read a bunch of books about it. We're trying to get better at praying. We just want to be better prayers because we want to connect with God. So to do that, you go to the master and you say what Jesus' disciples said. Hey, Jesus, teach us how to pray. He says, thought you'd never ask. So let's stand together. We're going to put the words on the screen. This is the Lord's Prayer. Some of us grew up reciting it. Some of us have maybe never heard it. Some of us have said, hey, that sounds familiar. Wherever you are, it doesn't matter. We're going to go deeper into this thing over the next several weeks. But let's pray it together. Let it be your prayer. This is kind of an older version right out of the RSV. Some of us probably recited this version. It's the one, let me warn you, when some of you want to say trespasses, don't. It's going to say debts and debtors. All right, are you ready? Let's read it and pray it together. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread 
and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You just prayed. Let's sit down and talk about it a little more. As I said, next week we're going to dive into this thing. I'd like you to notice a few things about it before we do and position ourselves for the adventure and uh, get a little better at praying even today. The one we're going to be looking at is over in Matthew chapter 6. It's sandwiched in that thing that we call the Sermon on the Mount, which is Matthew 5 to 7. Matthew 5 is like the Beatitudes and stuff like that. Matthew 7, what's over there? Uh, That's him talking about ask, seek, knock, the wide gate, the narrow gate, that kind of thing. Chapter 6, right here in the middle, is Jesus giving a lot of practical advice about how to follow Jesus and grow deeper with God. That's what chapter 6 is about. How do you grow deeper with God? Well, he says, well, when uh, there's some things you're going to have to do, you're gonna, you, you can't follow God without giving. It's just part of it. You need to be able to give. So he talks about how to give and be generous and look out for the poor and care for people that have need around you. He says, when you give, you're going to have to give a certain way. And he talks about that. He says, when you fast, he's, in other words, you can't really get closer to God without that principle of fasting entering into your life somehow. Great time right now in this Lenten season leading up to Easter for us to be practicing that. Jesus says, not if, but when you fast. Here's how to do it so you're pleasing to God. Sandwiched between those two, giving and fasting, boom, is this part on praying. Jesus says, when you pray, in other words, not if you pray, but if you're serious about following God, you're going to pray. It's not like, bada boom, you pray and bingo, you're automatically close to God. No, 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 but you will never be close to God if you don't pray. It's not a one-to-one equation like I pray, it's a magic charm or some kind of you know, pill I take and now bam, there I am. But no, no, no. But, at the, but you can't get where you want to go on an adventure with God if there's no conversation with the real you, right? So Jesus says when you pray. And before he even gets to the prayer, he gives kind of three important guidelines about praying. Um. It's kind of like Jesus says, here, pull up a stool. He pulls up a three-legged stool to sit on, your prayer stool, your very own prayer stool. And he's going to talk about each of these kind of three little legs of the stool, if you will, to help us know, hey, when you pray, pray like this. The first leg on this little prayer stool of Jesus, I would sum up this way, keep it real. When you pray, you want to get better at praying, you want, to, you want to grow closer to God, you want to go on an adventure, let your prayer life be real. Keep it real. When you pray, Jesus says, don't get all caught up in fancy words. Don't get all wigged out about saying it wrong or right or saying what you think you're supposed to say or what someone else is. Don't filter it through someone else's ears. No, no, no. Real prayer is when the real you and the real God have a real conversation so be real share your real thoughts share your real emotions some of us don't even know what those are sometimes it's hard that's why prayer goes deep because we have to stop and think and dredge it out of ourselves and throw it up in god's direction real emotions 
Come to God with the real situation you're in. Sometimes it's amazing. I found myself sometimes having this huge mammoth thing to deal with, and then it's like, oh, I better pray. So I go and pray, and I talk about a bunch of stuff I'm not even concerned about so I can get back and handle the world myself. I just didn't have a real conversation with God, did I? So keep it real. Jesus kind of warns against the temptation that I think we've probably all seen somewhere or other, maybe even in yourself, of heaping up kind of empty phrases, babbling on about something, just to kind of fill space and to talk and to say, hey, you ever know someone to do that? Just, there was a guy in my home church who used to pray the same exact prayer. And I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, the same exact words, you know, but sometimes I got the feeling he was on autopilot. Jesus warns against that. Don't use just a bunch of empty repetition. The irony is you can use this prayer, the Lord's Prayer, as an empty, vain repetition if you just kind of recite it mindlessly every day. The very prayer Jesus gave us can be wasted. So don't make it some kind of religious charade like repetition or loud noises or some kind of fancy speech matters. You're connecting with God, so keep it real. Jesus, Jesus gives a couple, he says, here's a couple ways not to pray. And he points over to some of the religious leaders. They were called Pharisees. Everybody say Pharisees, right? They were like the religious big shots of the day. They were like the pastors. They were like the theologians or the, the Christian college professors, that kind of thing. And Jesus points a finger over them and says, you know what? You, know, you notice how they pray? And everyone's like, oh, yeah, it's impressive. Wow, they can really pray. We know how they pray. He's like, yeah. He says, um, how they make a big production out of it and they pray in front of everyone and all of that, make it look like they're spiritual superstars. And everybody goes, yeah. And Jesus says, don't do it like that. Because, he says, I can see stuff that you all can't see when you're all impressed with the outward appearance. Because I can see their hearts, and I can see that their hearts are a million miles from God. It doesn't matter if your words are so loud and beautiful they float up into the heavens if your heart's a million miles from God. He says uh, they're like a, like a tomb. It's all whitewashed, got some paint on the outside, but inside it's like full of a rotting, stinking bones. So just praying words and anything. Jesus says, no, no, no. you got to keep it real. He calls that hypocrisy. Now, when I first heard that, it kind of makes us all feel like, oh, well, I'm done. I'll never pray because I'm not qualified because I'm not clean through and through. That's for sure. I'm far from perfect. I don't want to be a hypocrite, so maybe I better not pray at all. How many of you have ever heard anything like that? I just won't go to church at all because I don't want to be a hypocrite. It's like, well, you're not quite getting it. Jesus' point isn't to say don't pray or try to go closer to God until you're perfect. It's like, think about it. If your heart and life is messed up, don't talk to God. No, no, that's not what he's saying. He's saying everyone should and really must and needs to talk with God in a real way, especially when you're messed up and far from God, even on the inside, filled with darkness. Just remember not to act like you're all perfect and clean already. Or the prayer becomes a kind of lie. When you talk to God, be honest. Keep it real. Don't try to make a show out of it for anybody else. Don't worry what anyone else thinks. And he points to some others. He says, you know, there's some other folks in those other religions, they babble on with endless phrases and flowery speeches. Blah, 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 blah. You ever sat through a prayer like that? It's like, when will she shut up? I haven't. I just, I don't know if you have we used to, when I was a kid, my mom had a little book and sent us to church. And that was, I think, to kind of crowd control for four kids sitting in the pew. And uh, we'd pass that book around and take notes. 
And we had a great time recently looking back at those notes from when we were kids. My brother writes down when Dale Friddle was preaching, he timed the prayer. And it was like seven minutes and 42 seconds. That was a record today, you know. <laughs> Jesus says it ain't about quantity. It's about quality. Keep it real. Have you ever found yourself praying and you felt kind of self-conscious, like you were aiming your words through the ears of other people around you even more than you were aiming them to God? Jesus says, you're doing it wrong. It's not for them. Keep it real. God knows. You're not telling him a single thing he doesn't know. But you really need to tell him. So if you fake it, you won't make it. Some of the prayers that Jesus loved the most were by broken sinner people in a crushed moment who said simple, honest things like, Help! That's a prayer. One of the best kind ever. It's in the Lord's Prayer too. Thank you! That's a great prayer. I'm so happy. That's a prayer. What a day. God, you got to get me out of this one. Those are, those are the most effective prayers. I need you. I love you. Pray like that. Remember that old thing, dance like nobody's watching? Pray like no one's watching. That's what we need to do. Pray like nobody's watching. Go into your closet. Sit on your stool, and that's the first leg. Keep it real. Second Second leg on that little stool is, is simply this. Put God first. When you pray, you want to get good at this? This is a lab session now. We're not talking theory. This is a lab. You want to do it in practice. You always put God first in your prayer. Start with God, then come to yourself second. Jesus teaches that in the model prayer. You can see by looking at the structure of the prayer. It's kind of two halves to the prayer. The first half is all about God's concerns. That's what the first half of the prayer is. That's where you start. Jesus says start by telling God it's about your name, Lord. It's about your will, Lord. It's about your kingdom, Lord, your concerns. God comes first. And start praying that way. Just force yourself to take all your stuff and hold it down here for a little bit. Get your mind on things above. Then we move to the second part of the prayer, which is our stuff. Our needs, our concerns. Give us our daily bread. Give, forgive us our sins and debts and trespasses. Deliver us from the evil. And we'll get to all that. But first we start with God. Put Him first in your life. Put Him first in your devotion. Put Him first in your priorities. This is the same passage where it says just a few verses later, seek first the kingdom of God. And all these other things will be added to you. That's what Jesus is teaching in the prayer. Put God first. Even in the prayer. Isn't it funny how we do exactly the opposite in prayer? Very often it's like, dear God, <clears throat> well, pull out a laundry list. Fix her, do that, heal this. Here's a favor, protection here. Got something for you to do. Jesus says, no, no, no. When you sit down on the stool to pray, that second leg of that stool you got to have is this God first thing. Let your heart and mind be drawn up to the Lord. Then... All of our stuff that we bring to him is a better perspective anyway. When you get yourself drawn up to where the Lord is and his kingdom and his will, you look back down on your prayer, it just looks different. Prayer changes us as much as it changes God. What's interesting to me is that this pattern parallels the Ten Commandments. Think about that. You know the Ten Commandments, right? 
It's kind of like what Jesus is doing here is intentionally mirroring this model prayer he's giving right after the Ten Commandments. Because the first half of the Ten Commandments have to do with God. Okay, did you ever notice that before? God's name, God's honor, God's Sabbath, God's stuff, all that. Then the second part of the Ten Commandments focuses on our stuff, our needs, how we treat each other, our neighbor, our wife, our, you know, we don't lie, we don't steal, we don't kill, all that kind of stuff about us. And so you see what Jesus is doing here. He's talking to Jewish people. Matthew is written to Jewish audience. And he comes along and he just boldly puts himself up there as the new and better Moses who comes along to deliver people out of slavery. He's going to let his people go. And where is he going to let them go? Right to God. Not with stone tablets off the mountain after being with God to deliver some, some new laws that we can follow, but to, to, to give us this beautiful, same pattern, but beautiful, liberating password to have direct access to God, talking with God directly ourselves. We don't have to wait on Moses to come down from the mountain to hear from God. We don't have to be Moses to get up there and take our shoes off and hope we don't get fried to death visiting with him. No, no, no. Jesus says you can pray directly. Start, though, with the glory of God and then come down to the needs of humanity. So when you find yourself Starting out, dear God, <clears throat> pulling out your laundry list. Wait, put it down. Think about who you're praying to. And we're going to get to that in coming weeks about how to do that. Put God first. So the first leg is what? Keep it. Yep. The second one is God first, me second. The third leg of the stool, when you pray, be ready to listen more than you talk. Does that surprise you to say that? When you pray, be ready to hear from God. Don't just talk to God, listen to Him. Sounds a little crazy, sounds backward, but that's the way prayer actually works. Usually we think, okay, I've got to inform God about some things, bring Him in on some stuff He doesn't know about. You know, tell Him some stuff. I want Him to listen to me. I want Him to change some things. I want Him to change His mind. But the way... Jesus talks to the Father. You get the feeling that prayer sort of flows the other direction sometimes, a lot of the time. I think, I think prayer is a way to change God's mind about some things, but Jesus wants us to know that prayer is about God changing us. And I know you want the Father to listen to you when you pray, and He does, but when you pray, you're having a real conversation, not a monologue, a real conversation, which means... He wants you to listen to him too. Do you suppose this is one of the reasons we don't pray more? Do you suppose that whenever I say prayer, the lead emotion in the room is most of the time guilt because I don't do it enough or often or well enough. Do you suppose that the reason for that might be because, not because it's so hard to talk to God, but because we know if we really pray, we'll have to listen to him. A deeper connection with God will only come when we allow God in, and we know that'll change us. Maybe that's why you don't pray as much as you could. I think that's true for me. Are you ready to let prayer change you? Are you ready to hear from the Lord? Keep it real, God first. Listen before you speak. Remember that little boy, Samuel? 
in the Old Testament. Little boy Samuel, he's kind of like a little apprentice working with the old, pro, the old priest, prophet uh, Eli. He's sleeping in the night, and the angel of God gets sent down by God himself to call that little boy's name. He's got a job for that boy to do. Samuel, Samuel, middle of the night. Boy, kids, wakes up, rubs his eyes, looks around, goes running to the other side of the hall. Yes, sir, he says to, to, to prophet Eli. Eli gets out of bed, you know, all confused, looks at him and says, what, 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 what do you want, boy? He says, you called me. He says, I didn't call you, kid. Go back to bed. Quit waking me up. It happens a second time. Same thing. Samuel, Samuel. He, he gets up, runs over there. Yes, sir. What is it, Eli? And Eli says, boy, you come over here again. I'm going to knock you one. Go back to bed. I'll get some sleep. Got work for you to do tomorrow. Happens a third time. And that time the old wise priest figures out what's going on. He goes, ah, that's not me calling you. He says, Samuel, I think God's trying to get your attention. God's speaking to you, and if you hear his voice again, it'd be really smart if you didn't ignore it. If God is so gracious as to, to say your name again to you and call out to you, say, here I am, Lord, speak, your servant is listening. Because if God is trying to get through to you, you want to pay attention. And sure enough, Samuel goes to bed, and God graciously calls out to him by name, Samuel, Samuel, and the boy Samuel sits up, and he says, here I am, Lord, speak, your servant is listening. God's been trying to get your attention too, probably, hasn't he? Calling out to you. He's got something for you. He's got something to, some adventure to take you on, some place to go. He's waiting and hoping you'll go, some job for you to do, some deeper relationship, not just for the relationship's sake, but so your life can be different, so your purpose can be stronger and more beautiful other than our own puny little concerns, our own little day trips to nothing. There's more. That's why he's calling out to you. That's why deep is beckoning unto the deep in your spirit. You know it as well as I know it. And we fight it and we resist it. We want to keep it shallow and casual and mediocre. I'm just begging you. Will you go somewhere with God? Let him give you the password to a whole new adventure through prayer. We're going to dive in next week. I, wanna, I just want to encourage you, start praying in the meantime. Start praying. You know enough right now. Keep it real. Put God first and listen. What's God saying to you? Right in front of you, there's probably a bookmark or you might have been handed it on the way in. Do you have one of those? Can you grab one of those? Um, this I hope you keep with you. And um, if you want more of these, grab them on your way out and uh, we'll provide them for you uh, to, to give away. Uh, this is going to be our guide over this next several weeks. This is what this is, is the preaching team and I, we sat down and we said, how could we make the Lord's Prayer, that model prayer, our Father who art in heaven, how could we make that like a model, a template that we could remember without even having this bookmark? So we're going to use the bookmark as a tool for a while, but eventually you're going to be able to put it away and remember how you can pray anywhere, anyway, out in a boat, on the golf course, when you get out of bed in the morning, sitting here during communion, whatever. This is going to be something that's going to anchor itself into our, our recognition. So let me, let me just... Um, let me walk through it with you because it follows the acrostic Father, F-A-T-H-E-R, and it follows right down the verses of the Lord's Prayer itself. We're just going to go through this and we're going to flesh it out week by week as we go. Okay, fair enough. Are you excited? This is a good little tool. All right. First, you ever wondered, how do I pray? What am I going to pray? I don't know. Let's see. The weather, let's start there. Um, this is going to give us a model of the way Jesus taught us. The first thing, 
you just pray through the letters, F-A-T-H-E-R. F is Father. The prayer starts, Our Father who art in heaven. This is a reminder that you get to approach our holy God, and you get to come right into his presence like like you would a daddy. We're going to talk about that next week. So you just approach him, you address him, and he's going to hear everything you say, and you just come with that confidence. And then A stands for align. In other words, get your heart aligned. Bend your heart and mind to the way God, our king, thinks. Our, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. I want to be your woman, your man. Do some bending. What needs to be fixed and brought into alignment with God? T is tell. Now it's your turn. Tell the Lord what you need. Give us this day our daily bread. And trust Him to provide for you. What are you worried about? Tell Him. Tell Him everything. This might be the longest part of your prayer. It's okay. H is for heal. This is to repent of your sin and and forgive others as well. Where is there relational damage going on in your life? Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Is there something between you and God that needs to get cleaned up? Get it done. That's what prayer is for. It's a real conversation. What about you and someone else? You talk about adventure, here we go. And E is expect. Count on God, the good shepherd, to really guide and protect us. Expect. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The God, God is really going to lead you someplace good. And then R is refocus. In other words, after talking about all this stuff down here, go back up and think about it from God's perspective at God's level. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. So you go back up and say, okay, I've worried about all this stuff. Now, God, you're bigger than all this. And that's how you end your prayer and you say amen. Does that make sense, everybody? All right, use that guy. We're going to unpack it as we go. We're all going to get better at this praying thing because it's the password to an adventure with God. Um, Pray. Pray this week, pray in your group, pray, pray, pray. You can do it. Get some help. We've got resources out here at the information desk, amazing resources that will help you and your group know what to do. If you want to take a few weeks, a few days aside, a few meetings aside and, uh, and, and talk about prayer, study prayer together, pray together more. If you want to read on prayer, you want to grow in prayer, we've put together a whole bunch of stuff. Stop by and grab it today. So pray, pray, pray. Now you know what we need to do right now? Exactly. Let's pray. Father, you are so far above us, and yet you love us, and you know us. Help us to not shy away from the great adventure that lies before us, but to follow you, to follow Jesus, to follow this model prayer as a, not a way of praying, but a way of living. Surprise us with how important this whole thing turns out to be for us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.